You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Yes, sir. I got you, didn't I? You got me. <laughs> you did, you did. I, I caught that. Hey, right my on. brother. You doing okay? How, how, how's your plumb meter doing? It should be pegged out right about now. Uh, we're doing good. We're doing good. Okay, good. It's a good day, man. It's a good day. Absolutely. The sun is out. There's a nice breeze. And, uh, you know, and the joy uh, God is, is with in us. the midst. The joy is with us. And we're going to get over this. Uh, Sooner than later, I think. Absolutely. Everybody's going to be working on what was normal. I don't know. Yeah, man. Amen. But, you know, we weren't too normal before this. So, you know, I, I, (laughs) you know, I think we go back to the new norm. We have been in the new norm for the last, what, 18, 19 years? Just about that since, uh, you know, 9-11 sort of took us back a little bit. And, uh, uh... I, you know, it's sort of one of those questions, what is normal? And uh, the only only answer I have to for me, or semi-normal anyway, is uh, my Sundays. And um, I think everybody ought to take a look at it and uh, see where they are and what they're thinking on Sundays. But that's, Absolutely. That's only my opinion, and I'm, I'll leave it. You're entitled that. to it. <laughs> Well, I tell you, I just heard something on the news that, uh, and I, and I, uh, I don't know anything about. I've never taken a tour. I've, I've never even seen them in in port. Uh, the Comfort or the Mercy, uh, the two uh, ships that are are the uh, medical ships for the Navy, and uh-huh. uh, they're deployed basically all over the world in in case of combat. Um, mm-hmm. And other emergencies, they've certainly served in many other areas that had uh, uh, emergency situations. Uh, they were off the coast of uh, in South America after one of the hurricanes. They, uh, I think it was it. I can't remember if it was. It wasn't Sandy, but whatever hit South America, it was. It mm-hmm. was stationed off there. But uh, a couple of things. One, I didn't realize they were just. Uh, refurbished um, cargo ships and yeah, absolutely I didn't I didn't know that and I also didn't know or I, I wait a second let me back up um, Como is asking or is going to ask the president to turn them into uh, uh, covid 19 ships as opposed to just taking the overflow from the hospitals and one of the one of the guest or whoever that was on said they understood the reasoning because they're not getting obviously they're not getting the car wrecks and and the other emergencies that uh, New York normally gets which is good but uh, you know and and uh, 
So they're not getting the non-COVID-19 patients, but the more I thought about it, and this gentleman, whoever he was, brought it up as well, a doctor, I think, brought it up as well, is that, um, you know, after they, after it's been declared that the virus is over with, then that particular ship would be the comfort, but the sterilization of that would be just absolutely incredible in trying to get it back to where it could be a an active duty floating hospital because of the what they're finding out about the uh, COVID virus and being able to kill it or not kill it. And uh, it would be a shame to take it out of commission because it couldn't be uh, sterilized properly. Mm-hmm. So I guess everybody, again, has their own opinion. Um, I, don't, I don't know what the answer is, but then again, for the last two or three weeks, I haven't known what the answer was anyway. So, Right. Well, you know, I tell you, the, uh, the government and uh, the Department of Defense will weigh the risk and uh, look at, you know, the rewards that can be gained. And, uh, you know, the great thing is both are available if needed, and their missions change. And, you know, they're outfitted with true professionals that know how to handle uh, these types of situations and stuff. So, you know, it's America's finest. And, uh, you know, it goes back to probably our second show where we talked about an all-volunteer force Mm -hmm. that uh, definitely stands up and uh, when the nation calls, and they don't hesitate. You know, uh, one of my grandkids asked me, um, why did the uh, military have to go? And I, I told him, I said, hey, when the nation needs us, you know, there are a few that answer that call. And, uh, you know, when you grow up, you know, I hope and pray that you will be one of those that will answer the call, you know. And uh, he's very interested and uh, wants to kind of follow in my footsteps. So, you know, very proud of him, and uh, try to encourage him and other young people, you know, because uh, it is definitely a young man's game. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I want to add one other thing, answering the call, and uh, I mentioned this, I don't know if it was on our last show or, or what it was, but they're only asked once. They... Nobody begs them. Nobody says, "Well, if you don't this or whatever and whatever," it's they are they're only asked once and they're there. And um, this is uh, we have the greatest military in the world and the greatest people serving in the military in the world. And uh, just like you're proud of your grandson and want him to follow in your footsteps or in. Yeah, just in the military. It doesn't have to. He, not everybody's cut out to be a General Dix, but whatever it happens to be, as long as he's there. And you know, it's like my pride for my son that's uh, in the Air Force, and uh, I have no idea. Well, I know he's in Intel, but that's about as far as I go because he doesn't. <laughs> he doesn't trust me with those uh, top secret stuff. So, and I don't trust myself. I'd, I'd tell somebody, but. Uh, you know, it's it just it's just an honor and a pride of a father, our grandfather, to uh, have their kids serve. And uh, absolutely, it's um, it 
you know, he and I, if if and when I ever see him again, will be able to sit down on a on a manly basis and and talk about. Well, it'll be fun talking about how the military has changed since I was in. We're not using horses anymore for everything, and uh, <laughs> you know, it's. Uh, <laughs> It'll be a lot of fun. It'll be a lot of fun. But they still use them at Fort Hood, so. Yes, sir. So. At Fort Carson. That's right. That's right. Um, Absolutely. So, with that being said, what what effect do you think, uh, in the broad picture of the coronavirus, we we've heard of the captain and the Theodore Roosevelt, uh, and I have mixed emotions about that as well if, mm-hmm. his, if his story is correct and I'm not doubting either side of it if he kept reaching out and was getting no results he by golly got results with his letter but uh, and and uh, you know it's a it's a matter of uh, the military has its chain of command and he obviously breached the chain of command but you know, if he was thinking of his seamen and uh, uh, his crew, then I don't know that he did wrong. He he his job is to protect his men, and uh, I can sort of see two sides to the coin. If I'm not getting results and I keep yelling and nobody's saying anything, then what choice do I have? Absolutely. You know, David, it's, it's, it's hard being a leader. And, you know, when they're underway, that is considered combat, you know, because there are threats that lurk from above and below, and they have to be on constant guard. And, uh, you know, like we discussed uh, last week and the week before that, you know, a true leader does exactly what you just said. He or she takes care of the people that are put in their charge. And, you know, when you're leading America's most treasured treasure, the national treasure, the youth of this nation, you know, um, you've got to ask yourself. You've got to make some tough decisions sometimes. And, you know, um, they are trained, well-seasoned, and uh, they understand what's at risk, you know, because those, those sailors are still sick. And, uh, you know, we've been praying for them and their families that uh, would come through. Right. If I had been put in the same situation, and I'm not, I don't know what the uh, the real story is or the backstory. If I had been put into a situation like that, you know, my first instinct is to take care of my people at all costs. Because their mothers and fathers expect nothing less. They want to see their kids, and they want to see their husbands, their wives, their sons, and their daughters come home. And, uh, you know, so I don't, I don't sit in judgment. You know, that's not my job. There's only one judge and jury, and he's up above. So, you know. Um, well, you know, it's, you know. A, it's sort of like if you were comparing what he did to uh, saying, okay, well, we've got the coronavirus on uh, the Theodore Roosevelt Everybody that feels like they have it, stand on the edge of the ship and jump. He didn't order any, you know, he did what yeah, he felt absolutely. like was best for his men. And, um, you know, I, I, I'm I, like you. I side with, or 
my side anyway. I side with the captain of the ship and respect him for doing. He knew what was going to happen. Uh, oh yeah. You don't. You don't do what he did without. But he got. He got done what he felt like had to be done and getting those people evacuated from the mm-hmm. Theodore Roosevelt. Yeah. And, um, you know, and you, and you got to take into consideration too that the uh, Conqueror and the Mercy were obligated somewhere else. You know, where does he turn for, you know, I, I think on the aircraft carrier there's over 4,000 uh, personnel? Five. Over 5,000 personnel. So, you know, um, it's a small city. Oh, yeah. And, you know, that that stuff spreads like wildfire. And you know how how tight it is on a ship. There, <laughs> <Yeah>. You know, <laughs> you're in very close quarters. And you have to take into consideration. Well, he had also, uh, as I understand it, had uh, had docked in uh, Guam, and they couldn't handle the number of people. So his options were extremely limited. And like you said, the the naval uh, medical ships were already committed. So what choice did he have other than to evacuate? And I also had the question, uh, too, and, and I asked... Uh, Chance uh, Ritchie, who was a uh, a uh, sub captain, and uh, you know you <laughs> like I don't know which dummy it was on which fake news station said, well, you can't just get everybody off of the ship. Somebody's got to drive it. Well, obviously, you know <laughs> that's that's um, that goes without saying. But I I would assume that there's. I don't know how many destroyers. I don't know how many subs. I don't. I, I know that any aircraft carrier group, they're, they're, the group, their position is to protect that uh, aircraft carrier because it's Absolutely. nuclear. It's got weapons on it. It's got planes on it, and we certainly don't want. It's not going to be abandoned and and have somebody at sea pull up beside it and take it over. That's not going to happen. But that's true. You know, there's uh, there are a lot of considerations, and I'm sure that captain lost a lot of hours of sleep thinking about what do I do, what what is best for my crew, and what is best for my country and my ship. And uh, you know, he he basically shot himself in the foot as far as a career goes at this point. But uh, I applaud him for. Having the uh, wherewithal to stand up and say, "I got to do what I got to do," and I tell you, David, if he had to do all over again, he'd do the same thing. Yes, sir. In the I think so. I think so. So you know, we're just we're in. <laughs> this is an understatement. Weird times, and uh, I don't think anybody could have predicted this. And I'm not sure that. You know, had we been sent a two-month warning on it, that we could have really prepared a whole lot more than we have. And I think, for the for the most part, across the board, I have the greatest respect for all of our governments, be they local, be your city, your county, your state, and federal. I think that. Uh, the cooperation and seeing everybody work together as Americans, hello, Americans, as Americans has has been very inspiring, at least to me. 
you know, I agree. And uh, it's, it's another testament of how we can come together. We can, you know, make things happen when it seems like all is lost. Yes, sir. And I, uh, so I, I applaud everybody. And uh, uh, I, uh, our little local government on a on a local basis is doing everything it can. It's. I do want to mention the fact too, and and obviously it's already come and gone. But Mike Mazell and the Healing Wall in Johns Creek, Georgia, will be getting a hold of me and announcing when when everything has settle down announcing a new date for the opening of the healing wall and uh, as of right now I would assume as far as I know Rick White and the uh, Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame is closed as are so many other things but it seems like uh, in listening uh, New York is finally turning around and uh, Italy is turning around, and, and most of the quote-unquote experts are saying it's because of the um, uh, social distancing and the uh, self-staying at home. And uh, uh, so if, if that's working, then that's good. And I know I've been worried about the economy and, and concerned, but you know what? It may it may cost us in the short run, but we're so resilient that once the whistle blows and everybody's out and rocking and rolling again, we'll make it and we'll make it even better than it was before. And uh, I have no doubt about that. I don't think, uh, you know, I'm sorry for the unemployed, but they'll have their jobs back and we'll. We'll be stronger than ever, and nobody will want to mess with a country that's come through what we've come through. So, that's my soapbox. Or a world that's gone through what it's gone through. Very true. Very Absolutely. True. Um, how, do you, how do you think China will be looked at after this? Well, you know, uh, I mean, I don't think much will change. You know, uh, the opinions that we had uh, are still there. You know, some people blame um, them and their slow response. You know, I, I'm a, from from my point of view, the, the jury is out. And I'm not going to speculate, but, you know, I, I have my thoughts and my concerns, and uh, every military personnel that has served has those same, you know, reservations, and, uh, you know, I'm amazed that uh, more Chinese did not succumb to the virus, and also, I'm also curious as to if we will ever know the real number mm. that, you know, uh, died when the pandemic started in China. Well, I, I've never traveled to China. In fact, I've never been to that part of the world at all, uh, Europe and so forth, yes, but never never to uh, 
anywhere in that area, Asia, and I, and I uh, we had a couple of doctors in the other day that were adamant, and I and one of them I've never seen be as aggressive as he was the other day, and and uh, that was about that we. <laughs> He was really to the point of saying we should go blow them up. And it's not just China, but it's Thailand. It's it's all of the Asian countries that have these uh, uh, wet facilities where they have animal after animal, you know, all these different animals commingling and everything else. In fact, I heard today that a uh, lion had been infected by uh, COVID-19. And... Uh, or a tiger, I believe, one or the other. Anyway, but uh, you know, and and that we ought to in the the UN and the World Health Organization and everything else ought to insist on the on the wet markets being shut down and shut down immediately. That they were the, they they were the cause of stars. They were the cause of of this. And uh, in one situation or the other, they they breed disease. Yeah, that, that, that may be true. That may be true. Um, you know, but it, it, it should be specific, targeted responses, you know, if proven to be the case. You know, but we were talking um, the other day about how China is so interwoven throughout the world's economy. And how much of the world depends on Chinese labor or funding for their very existence. So, you know, there's a balance that we got to strike. You know, um, what concerns me is when people in their panic and their fear respond to Asians that they see in their neighborhoods that, you know, these have been people that you've grown up with. And then all of a sudden we're turning on each other thinking that, you know, they're a part of the cause or the reason that the world is sick and, and dying. And, you know, it's like, hey, I'm a third generation American from Los Angeles. I had nothing to do with that. Right, so, sure. you know, um, I, I tend to take an appetite for uh, suppressant to, to stay calm. And just just try to focus on the positives that are coming out of this, you know. And uh, the the united front that I see from various neighborhoods, you know, uh, I still would like the media to cover how many people are surviving and coming back from the disease from various treatments, you know. Um, you know, I, I hate for it to be always doom and gloom. Right. Well, it would be. It would be, uh, it would be very good if we uh, if we didn't have the fake news and we had the honest. You know, it, it, <laughs> I learned a long time ago. Truth goes a long ways. You know, and if we could rely and and count on it, and um, well, there's an old saying. Uh, uh, when a newspaper describes blood, uh, people read it, you know, and if it's uh, all 
all uh, good news, and then nobody had read it because we're a we're a society. Uh, that's why we go to football games, and uh, they like to see the the hurt put a, a heavy duty tackle put on somebody or whatever. And uh, it, it's societal that we we are like we are, and uh, blood cells, they say. So. Uh, I, I'm like you. I think we should be talking up. You know, look at look at what's happened with the different companies that have come about and said, we're shutting down our this, making pillows to make masks. Good for them. We're shutting down this to make hand sterilizer. Good for them. No whiskey, but hand sterilizer. And I'm all for it. So it's, um, you know... The good side of people has come out as well, and I didn't watch it. In fact, it was past my bedtime, but I think it was Fox News last night did a whole show on all of the good things that people are doing. Everything from a pizza store taking pizza to first responders every night to other restaurants doing this and doing that and and how the nurses or whatever in the hospital are keeping up the morale. And just, you know, people just chipping in. And uh, I know I, I feel bad that uh, America's web radio can't do more. And uh, we would certainly love to be doing anything that uh, we needed to be doing. The only thing we've been asked to do was by the DOJ, um, and that is to remind and warn everybody that while we may be hunkered down in our houses, I don't know where the crooks are, but they're out there scheming and they're making calls yep. and lying and and pulling scams on people. And so the DOJ asked us to please remind everybody, if you don't know that telephone number, then don't answer it. If you answer it and somebody says, oh, well, I can do this for you, I can do they're lying. Hang up on them. And uh, absolutely, it's a shame that we have a world that will do that. And that I was talking to uh, Brett about this uh, a little while ago. Is that you know while you and I are talking on the air and praying for our fellow man, there are a lot of folks out there figuring out how can I make a buck out of this? What can I do yep. to cheat somebody? To to uh, you know if. If you don't re-roof your house, the virus is going to crawl in through your shingles. <laughs> you know, they, who knows what they come up with? But you know, it's it's just amazing, and they never they never stop trying to figure out. They can't get a legitimate job, but their job is to cheat people, and there there are plenty of them out there. Right, absolutely. So absolutely. beware, beware, and beware always, and. Uh, Heed, your, heed what your local government is saying. Uh, they, they're, they're in touch with the governor. The governor's in touch with the, with the president and the feds. And uh, you know this, this everybody is getting a little uh, stair crazy, I guess, cabin fever and all the rest of it. Uh, but you know we we got to do what we got to do, and let's get over this stuff. And the sooner we get over it. The sooner we'll be back to partying, and uh, 
the general and his wife are going to go out to dinner with me as soon as we can all meet again. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. I am, too. I am, too. So, we're, we've gone through that. We, the, the show is Remembering Desert Shield and Desert Storm. What? Uh, give us a... If this had happened during Desert Storm, what do you think the reaction would have been? Oh, wow. Well, you know, I, I can give you a, a little bit of that right now. Just think about the troops that are still in Iraq and uh, Afghanistan. While they're concerned about what's happening to their families back here. You know, can you imagine going out to train and assist and advise and someone shooting at you or trying to blow you up with IED? But more importantly, you know, the virus broke out in your neighborhood and you can't get in touch with anyone back home to find out, you know, the status of your family. Now, you talk about added stress on top of the stress that you're already under trying to survive in a combat environment, you know, it, it is it's simply amazing. And once again, you've got Americans that volunteer to go into harm's way, to make a difference, to protect their fellow man, and they're making something happen while this is, you know, circling around in their orbit. You know, I... I you know, the, the closest I can tell you, David, that I've come to something like that was when I was in Afghanistan and Snowmageddon hit the DMV and everything was shut down from Capitol Hill to all the grocery stores. Nobody could move. I mean, it was just so much snow coming in there. As soon as they got it, the, the driveways cleaned out to try to go get the staples that they needed to survive, another piece hit. And then they were back under two feet of snow in 30 minutes or less, hmm. you know. And uh, I remember distinctly my wife calling me in tears because, uh, you know, the neighborhood didn't do a good job of taking care of the military families of those that were deployed, you know. And hmm. uh, when I came back, we kind of fixed that and, uh, you know, made sure that uh, – those spouses that were there with small kids or kids in elementary school were going to be taken care of. And, you know, this is a great example of that art and what I call the science and the art of, you know, military leadership and family readiness. It just takes one small village, David, and that's what we got to think about. And we've got to be willing to lift our brothers and sisters up in this time of need. Yeah, let me ask you something. Uh, you you know exactly where my son is because you were you were there. Um, how how does it work? Uh, because you know where he is, and and that they declared a a uh, an emergency and uh, a. Uh, the, the the city and the country declared a state of emergency and shelter um, where you are, you know. And so 
They have done basically what Atlanta's done and all the rest. So the military went along with it. And so uh, they're not, you know, they're not going on base. They're not doing anything. They're, they're sheltering in place. So is that the norm that the military will respect the government and do what they ask? Or could uh, they override it and say, well, you know, we're here at your request and we but we've got to still uh, have our people coming in and going on base and so forth. Well that that happened during nine eleven, David. Hmm. And we had some of the same restrictions initially. And then once we got accountability and we were able to coordinate with the German government, we turned around and we double time to our bases. And we took up defensive positions because you just didn't know where the next attack was going to come from. And the German people were just as concerned about the threat. And they welcomed the fact that the Americans, along with the German troops, were taking those steps to protect them and the American families. And I'll tell you, it is a tense moment because your people don't get a chance to see you or hear from you until, you know, the dust settles a little bit. And so, you know, that's what your son's going through with his family. And, you know, um, when the time is right, they'll come back up on the net and, uh, you know, they'll be able to communicate and uh, let you know what's going on. And, you know, everything's going to work out. And they are, uh, the German people are very effective at taking care of the uh, cleanliness of their villages and uh, heeding what the government puts out or what the American government puts out. You will be amazed at how well they listen to the instructions that are given to our troops and they assume that same responsibility and, uh, you know, heed those warnings and uh, take it very seriously from uh, day one because, uh, you know, that history of plagues that ravaged Europe, you know, uh, that's taught in the local schools. And, uh, you know, they don't forget uh, what has happened in their past. And uh, so, you know, they do a good job along with the American troops that are over there. And uh, I'm, I'm real glad that they sheltered in place. But I can tell you, critical and uh, key and essential personnel are definitely hard at work uh, protecting that part of the world to make sure that this part of the world is safe and sound. Yes, sir. You know, I, uh, I would think, too, that no other country in the world would be more highly respected than the United States for our personnel, be they medical or whatever, uh, that they understand that we have the ability, and we will show it very shortly, that we have an aggressive ability to come up with the answer as quickly as anybody, quicker than anybody else in the world, actually. 
and that they they want to be on they want to be on our side, not on the other side. Absolutely, I, I concur one hundred percent. You know, but um, don't sell the uh, the militaries and the uh, civilian structures of the world uh, too short. Oh, no. You know. <laughs> Um, it's a uh, it's a gl- it's a global pickup game, is how I best described it when we were in Afghanistan. You know, and every nation that was a part of NATO was there on our behalf, and uh, you know it was a beautiful thing to see when everybody came together to help save the Afghan people and to protect those little girls that you know wanted to go to school and wanted to learn. And uh, wanted a better way of life. You know, it's just, it's, it's amazing. Well, you know, I think this is uh, international. Uh, every parent wants better for their kids than they they had or they thought they had, you know. And uh, I think that's uh, an international attribute that every parent has that they want better for their children and uh, whatever way that's that was the Germans sneaking out of Germany or the Russians sneaking out of Russia or whatever the circumstance might be to get to the United States because they realized their opportunity and this is this is what the deal is with the southern border uh, I've got some or had I don't anymore but I had some really good friends from Mexico and all they ever they didn't want to invade the United States they didn't want to take us over all they wanted was an opportunity and a better life that they weren't getting in their homeland and um, so I I guess I my opinion is if you you break into my country then you committed a crime by the same token uh, humbly I I understand where they're coming from. I would want the same if I was in Mexico or if I was in in Venezuela now or many other countries that are oppressed by uh, dictatorships or communism or whatever the oppression might be. And uh, mm-hmm. it's a it's a parent's thing that I want better for my kids. And uh, absolutely, you know, you you got to respect people for that and what they'll do. And I'm sure you saw a lot of that. In uh, in the Middle East, that uh, you know they were, and I and I look at this uh, in in many ways. I think we overlook the word jealousy, and we overlook as Americans all the blessings that we've got and we've that have been given to us, and how fortunate we are to open our sleepy eyes up every morning and be in the United States. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's our job and our responsibility, David, to share those blessings. You know, let's get those people uh, registered as taxpaying Americans, and, uh, you know, then they can partake. You know, let's get them get them undocumented on the rolls, you know, and, um, and bring them into the society. They're already here. You know, we've we got brilliant minds that come here get educated and then they leave the country you know mm-hmm. uh, there could be one of these young people that has the cure for breast cancer 
and you know they can stuff it out. But you know they 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 have to leave, and we miss out on that opportunity. You know, there's just got to be a better way. And, you know, our leaders have got to find that better way. And they're working at it. And, you know, I've got faith that we'll get to where we need to be. I believe you. And and everything that you said is exactly right. We educate them and then we kick them out. And how stupid can you be, you know? And uh, all they want is an opportunity and a place to work and a place to show their talents and uh, absolutely you know we we <laughs> we we're on the treadmill backwards a lot of times and it just doesn't work so I, i'm like you i have faith that as we mature and we see the truth that well what's the old saying the truth will set you free and uh, amen brother preach you better preach yes sir and that's uh, that's what you and I try to do here. We'll give it, and and we don't even we don't even pass the offering plate, do we? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. But, but I tell you, you know, it, it's a it's a great a great time for two friends to have a great conversation and uh, to try to enlighten, to try to motivate try to comfort and try to encourage you know and that's that's all we need you know and uh we've got to believe that everything else is going to work itself out you know and it's amazing that yesterday was uh palm sunday and it reminded us of the story of lazarus and uh you know mary weeping mm-hmm. and jesus said why are you weeping you know well if you had been here, he would still be alive, you know. And he's looking, saying, oh, ye of little faith. And, you know, I'm going off script. So, you know, please don't call into the radio show and say, hey, why is that guy misquoting the Bible? Nope, don't do not do that. <laughs> um, but, you know, he's saying, hey, if you just have faith in me and my father, you know, that's all you really need is if you have faith that we can deliver you. You know, and then he does the miracle, mm-hmm. you know, and, I, and I'm just thinking, wow, if more people around the world just believed, you know, and then sit back and watch him work what he's going to do. Amen. You know, and don't give in to the fear, the chaos, the anger, you know, um, and I'm not even going to pretend to know what it feels like to lose a loved one during this time. You know, I could just pray and uh, pray for their comfort, you know, and I'm a firm believer that God does not like his children to suffer, you know, and I kind of hang to that belief and, uh, you know, just try to do something to be a positive influence to encourage those. The, the, as, uh, as we do our radio show. The joy is within us. And, you know, which I'm going to bring you back to uh, the show a little bit because I've got a very important question to ask you. Okay. Where are the mermaids? <laughs> you know, 
we we ought to do a roll call of the mermaids and uh if i could call one and just check and see how she's doing you know and check on the rest of the mermaids you know i, I thought about that and said wow it'd be cool if we could call them you know if they would say hello and check in on them if they had called one at a time we could put them on, and I obviously don't even know their names, but if uh, if they were to call us uh, one at a time, we could put them on the air, and we could uh, wish them the be- best of health. Oh, by the way, did you are you aware of the fact that we have a uh, master Kung Fu master on now? No. Uh-uh. Yeah, quite, quite impressive. And uh, he's been, he was orphaned. At three years old, and taken in by the monks, and he's—it's sort of like the old uh, kung fu uh, and grasshopper, you know. But this wow. this guy is just absolutely incredible, and um, you know he—he's uh, obviously a very very strong believer in mind over body. But at the same time, or not at the same time, but he he grew up not only as a monk, but he also grew up as a Presbyterian, and uh, he he believes in mind over body. But he also is a, a very devout Christian, and uh, very very interesting show. And uh, uh, Chai D. Ku is his name, and. Uh, we were talking about about chi and uh, uh, you know how the positive chi can can help, whereas negative can destroy you. And it, it's it's a very very interesting show, and and certainly invite everybody to listen to it. It's on uh, oh Friday uh, Fridays at ten o'clock, I believe it is, and uh, he. Uh, he is just super, and uh, certainly would would like to invite everybody to listen. And how important you know, it is. David, you've got a great platform. You've got a, a bunch of great shows, my brother. Thank you, sir. And uh, it's not it's not me. It's the hosts that make them. And uh, we have, you know, we we just. I've been very blessed by meeting people that uh, like yourself. Volunteer to do shows, and everybody, you know, everybody brings a different dessert to the table, and uh, it's just amazing. And we uh, we're very fortunate, and the and the folks that listen and appreciate what we're doing, the our veterans that listen, our first responders that listen, and um, you know, it's just just absolutely amazing, and uh, we're very thankful for it. And we also remind everybody that a lot of folks don't listen at the time the shows are on. They uh, they download them and listen to them at all hours of and all days. And this has been a very good opportunity uh, as we are uh, sheltered in place to try something different. And something different might just be America's Web Radio that you enjoy listening to. And uh, tell your friends about it. And we're here for you. And always will be. Absolutely. So, when now we got to get those mermaids to calling in. 
If they, uh, you know, our number's listed on uh, our on our uh, website, and uh, if they don't call in today, maybe we can talk to them over the weekend and uh, between now and next week, and just get one or two to call in, and and uh, I won't even ask them what you look like in that swimsuit. I'll just leave that, and I'll let that go. <laughs> Oh, I'm scaring half of Alpharetta. That's that's what I look like. <laughs> I don't want we we need all the listeners we can get, and uh, you know, if I've heard it once since I opened the radio station, I've I've heard it a thousand, no, more than a thousand times. I've got a face for radio. Well, you may be the one that has the body for radio. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> we'll, ju- we'll just leave it at that and let people wonder. You know. They, uh, Absolutely. Oh, when they go to our Facebook or to our website and they see that friendly face of yours, they, they know that you can't be anything but a gentleman and I think a scholar and certainly will go down in history as one of our great leaders. And I mean that very sincerely. As, as more of history is written and people find out about General Dix and... They'll they'll come to see and see what you did for your men and how you treated them and the value that you gave to our country, being a leader. And uh, folks, if you hadn't figured it out, I have all the respect in the world for Richard Dix, and uh, I, I couldn't be happier to say that he's my friend, not my fishing buddy yet, but my friend. We're working on that fishing buddy stuff, though. Yeah, we are. We're going to get out there. <laughs> One of these days. We're giving the fish a, a chance to uh, get a little grub, and then we'll be out there. <laughs> yeah, I imagine uh, I've never scared a fish, so uh, uh, I'm sure they're preparing for us just to scare them to death. I've scared them, but I haven't ever, I don't I don't catch very many. If, if I were, well, let me put it like this. The old story, give a guy a fisherman, he'll eat for a day. Give a guy a fishing pole and he'll he'll eat the rest of his life. Well, unfortunately, I go the other way. Give me a fish and I'll eat and go away. But <laughs> no, I doubt it. I doubt it. Well, you, you you're trying to you're trying to snooker me. I I know you're a great fisherman. You'll get out there and just show out. Yeah, I should be so lucky. Uh, you know, I'm the one that I catch. I catch a lot of that green mossy stuff too, on occasion. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And I'll think I got something really on the line, and up comes this green gooey stuff, and oh, so I sit there and I pick it off and try, try again. But anyway, <laughs> the the fun of it's the uh, fellowship. If <laughs> if we can have fellowship again. Uh, but the fellowship of being with someone that uh, you like and you're having fun with, and that's that's what it's all about. Absolutely. So, absolutely, we'll make it one of these days. Uh, let's see. I got. I want to make sure that I I put a mention in that, uh, as everybody knows, the JC Healing Wall was postponed as far as their opening because of the uh, coronavirus. And as soon as Mike Mazel and and his folks have decided on another date, and when this is all over with, we'll be the we'll be there announcing it for you, and we'll we're going to be there. And if anybody cares, they can come out and meet us, and uh, we'll shake hands and uh, give them a little something to remember us by—an uh, eight by ten autograph picture of General Dix. 
And um, yeah, right. <laughs> and then the other thing is, when this is all over with, please, please remember to go to the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. It is well worth spending. Basically, you could spend a day there, and and I might add that they have in the Floyd Building, they have a great cafeteria, so you can go, you can walk through it in the morning and then do half of it in the morning, go have some uh, great meal, and then finish it off that afternoon. And it's in the Floyd Building right across the street from the Georgia State Capitol. And, uh, Absolutely. The other, other thing I want to mention, and we had the director on the other day, is uh, the museum at Fort Benning. I've been there... I, I couldn't remember whether it's two or three times, but I love that museum. And uh, and now that I know the director of it, I'm going to go back down to Columbus, and uh, he's going to show me some of the back rooms, some of the stuff that people don't get to see. And uh, I can't wait to do that and line it up and, and go down there. But if you're in the Columbus area, go by Fort Benning and the museum that uh, is on the base, uh, or the fort, and... Uh, it uh, you will enjoy every second of it, and your kids will too. If you've got uh, oh kids that are in their teens, and uh, they'll love it as well. So my two plug. You want to plug anything like uh, uh, your old Fort uh, Stewart? Yeah, I, I would tell you that uh, there are a lot of great history uh, museums around the country. And, uh, you know, they have small operating budgets, but they tell a great story. And uh, we need to get folks out there and, um, you know, hug on a recruiter after the virus is over with, you know, and thank them for what they do on a daily basis. And uh, thank those that volunteer to keep this country safe and free. We, we can't do it without those men and women that raise their right hand and uh, volunteer. It's just, it's a great thing. And uh, you get so much out of it on the back end. Oh, yeah. I, I think that's, you know, it's like I, I mentioned to you several shows ago. <laughs> I was in, probably before you were born, General Dix, but uh, when I was in, you know, you you... Everybody questions, and particularly when you're young, you say, why are we doing this? But the older I get, the more I realize how important my short time was in BASIC and AIT and mm-hmm. how important it is for our kids today. And it's and it's not just boys. Girls can get as much out of it as, as any guy can. And the opportunities, opportunities when you come out are endless. And parents and grandparents and and a lot of teachers don't uh, understand what all the military has to offer. Everybody, we're not at war, and everybody has this thing in mind that oh, the military is—it's so scary, and they, you know, and they, you know, they're shaking before they even know what they're talking about. And it's—I—I um, I personally look at all branches of the military as as the opportunity of the world and seeing the world and everything else. And it's just, uh, if I had it all to do over again, I know I would make a career of the military. And 
if I weren't so old, I'd join up today. But uh, it, it's it's a great life, and and I must add too, the people that you meet and that you're with are the best. No Absolutely. question about it. They are the best. And you have something in common that you can always talk about, which is the love of your country. And that's exactly what they do. And this is, you know, it's... I think the military is, without a doubt, without question, is the most inspirational organization in the world. And we're so lucky. The reason that we are so good... Nobody puts a gun in your head to join. You decide yep. that you want to join, and you join, and you're joining the most wonderful organization ever thought up by man. And I don't know, people have different thoughts about it, but I know how I feel about it. And uh, like I've said over and over again, I, I couldn't be prouder of my son that's an officer in the Air Force. He is. Absolutely. Absolutely, David, and you should be. Well, you know, uh, you know, he learned that from somewhere, David. Yeah, I and I know. think he got it from his dad. <laughs> no, he just uh, no. He's he's much smarter than his father. I can assure you. And uh, he's an officer, and I was a grunt. What would a grunt ever be <laughs> able to tell an officer? But anyway, and he went to that other school, Texas A and M. I haven't held that against him too much. I've got all of his A&M, his, his saber and his uh, boots and all that in my house, just waiting on him to return one of these days and put him in his house. But it, it is, think about it. If you're a parent, a grandparent, or aunt, uncle listening, and you've got someone that's graduating from high school or graduating from college, please have them look into the military. It Absolutely. Be the best thing they ever did in their life, without a without a doubt. With that being said, you know what you've done, Richard? What have I done, David? Well, you've just talked your way through a whole hour. Oh. <laughs> really? Yes, sir. Wait a minute. I think you cheated me. I thought we had about 30 more minutes. Uh, I don't know about your watch, but mine says... It's time to put the plug in the jug and get out of here. But we could go another well, three right. minutes if you wanted to. We... <laughs> well, well, I'll see you next week. Yes, sir. I'll be here just for you. And uh, I'm shy. I would venture to say we'll talk before then. Take care of yourself. Absolutely. Tell that bride hello for me, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Everybody... All right. Start working on your fishing poles. Yes, sir. Everybody take care and have... A wonderful Good Friday, and uh, we'll be with you next Happy week Easter. before Easter. Yes, sir. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.